The Forum at 8 with Kolani Gwala. Ten and a half minutes after eight. A very good morning to you. A warm welcome to the forum at eight here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Uh, well, opposition parties, you may have heard this yesterday, uh, are now demanding that President Jacob Zuma must set up a judicial commission of inquiry into police brutality following the killing of a Davidson taxi driver by police officers. Now, the videotaped brutality that led to the death of taxi driver Mido Masia has led to renewed demands for a broader inquiry into police in this country. On the forum at 8 then we're discussing the possible reasons for police brutality in this country but also what are the measures in place, what are the mechanisms in place to ensure that uh, it comes to an end. Why is it that we have this kind of uh, police brutality but how do we curb it? How do we put it to an end then? And that's the discussion here on the forum at 8. You may have views and please send them through to us at 34701. That's the SMS line here on the program, 34701. Also we'll be taking your emails throughout the program. Gwala gwalaxsabc.co.za And also we'll be taking calls then on 0891 That will be happening in a short while. 0891 Let me introduce my guests to you on the program. Let me start here in the studio with me. I'm I'm joined by Noel Kututwa. He is Amnesty International Southern Africa Director. Noel, nice uh, to, to have you in the studio. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you and good morning. Thanks indeed. Uh, also on the line for us this morning, Brigadier Puti Setati speaks on behalf of the National Police Commissioner. Brigadier Setati, good morning. Uh, good morning. Thank you. Thank you for your time, Brigadier. Uh, Moses Lamini is the spokesperson for the Independent Police Investigative Directorate. Mr. Lamini, hi. Good morning, Kalani. Thank you. Much appreciated. Lizette Lancaster is the manager of the Crime and Justice Hub, Governance and Crime Justice Division at the Institute for Security Studies. Uh, Ms. Lancaster, good morning. Good morning, Thank you. Let, let me start here in the studio with me, with Mr. Kututu. Mr. Kututu, the, the oh, Amnesty International actually said that you have observed a consistent pattern of police brutality in South Africa. Please give me evidence for such. Thank you very much for, for that question. Yes, Amnesty International issued a statement yesterday, uh, sorry, last week, yeah. after the video went viral and after we had viewed that uh, video and the shock that it instilled in us, we have been working in the area of policing for a period of, of more than 10 years now and what we've been noticing is that there has been police brutality, that the police has been using torture as a method of investigation and one need just look at uh, what's going on with the Marikana Commission which yeah. is looking into the killings that took place on the 16th and the 17th of August last year. One also needs to look at the case that's going on in Durban which relates to the Kato Mana unit mm. where a number of police officers are facing charges in excess of 100 and these charges include assault assault with intent to cause grievous bodily harm, attempted murder, and murder. And these are just like the two big cases which has happened in the recent past. But if one looks at the newspapers, there are consistent issues of police brutality that come up which may not be making as big headlines as the Marikana massacre or as the... This particular issue. All right, let, let, me, let me bring in the Brigadier then because he, he needs to go at some point. Brigadier, that should be worrying for you. Um, an NGO such as Amnesty International observes that in this country we have a consistent problem of a pattern of police brutality. Hi, Kolani. Uh, uh, you know, our core business as the police is to prevent and investigate or combat crime and not vice versa. And it will never, ever be vice versa. Not today, not tomorrow, 
and not in future. So we have noted uh, the footage uh, that went viral with extreme shock and outrage. And uh, immediately after viewing those, uh, uh, that footage, uh, the National Commissioner took uh, uh, a step and uh, all members were suspended and uh, all members involved in that incident were all suspended and uh, we are, they were also uh, disarmed. And the station commissioner, the local station commissioner, that, was, uh, that is of Davidson, has also been moved from that station. Mm. So that's how serious we take this matter. But, Bukatia, the issue is not just about this one incident. And I suppose the question is going to be, if you treat it as an isolated, in piecemeal fashion, you will continue to have those problems. Is there a strategy of dealing with what uh, my guest here in the studio, Mr. Kututwa, says is a consistent pattern of police brutality? He's citing the, the Katomena issue. He's citing the Marikana issue. He's citing, of course, the Davidson issue. There is a pattern around that. Is there an overall plan to deal with that issue? We, we need to intensify our training because we know very well that uh, our training or training as a whole, it's, it's a process. It's not something that you can say, I'm done with training, I can't be training my people anymore. So we need to intensify our training uh, with regard now to the uh, management of our crowd and things like that. But something that I want to say is that uh, our policemen are receiving a two-year training from basic training, we have got theory and we have got practical. So laws are being taught there. They get lectures around uh, your, your, your Criminal Procedure Act, which is definitely telling people how to effect an arrest. And we expect our people to do exactly that and do it with dignity. So, Brigadier, your assertion, so you, you, you are saying to us this morning that as far as you're concerned, the problem is around training. No, no, I'm not saying the problem is training. But where is the problem then? I'm just mentioning then? it because I, I think it's also it's an important aspect. It may be, but where is the overall problem? What is the, the, the genesis? What is the source of this brutality within our police force? See, that's all in the mind of a person. And uh, you see, we are we, 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 we policing now in a democracy. So we have to instill this uh, type of policy in our members to say... For you to uh, effect arrest, we have to do one, two, three, four. And we have also a code of conduct that must be observed by all of our members. And we've got a constitution also that our members are aware of. And uh, those are the tools that people must use when doing their work. We are policing in a new dispensation. Are you suggesting that some are still uh, policing in the past? Some are still uh, thinking that this is apartheid South Africa? No, not necessarily that. I'm just uh, making uh, making clear to, for you to understand to say we are now policing in a democracy and things have changed. In the olden days, people would do things like this and they would get away with them. But these days, we will never, never allow our policemen to conduct but, but themselves. Clearly, but clearly, there are some within the force who still believe that they can get away with this. Is it not an issue of accountability? That there is no accountability. There is impunity of sorts. Yeah, it's a question also of accountability. I can't rule that one out. That's why we have shifted the station commander there so that the investigations can go on unhindered. Yeah, but you can shift this one because station commander. Station commander, you have to be in charge of your station. You have to be in charge of your members. In an operation like this, you have also to assist your members. No, but you can shift this one station commander, but unless you instill the culture of accountability, unless people know that if these da- things happen under their watch, that they will uh, have to take full responsibility, it will continue. See, last 
smart. We're, make, we're taking drastic steps also. From our side, we had a very big conference the other time where we had all the station commissioners throughout the country. They were attending a conference where the question of command and control was emphasized. And then throughout the course, throughout the conference, that was really uh, emphasized by the minister and the national commissioner. Again, I think the impression I'm getting, and I may be wrong and I may be harsh on this, is, is that nobody knows exactly why we have this situation, including yourself, Brigadier, because on one hand it's about training, on the other it's about command and control, uh, on the other it's about accountability. What is it? Why do we have a police force in a democratic South Africa that is meant to be serving the people but actually killing the people? You see, Colani here, we're not talking about the police force. We're talking about individuals, and they're just a handful. And each time we see or we hear about this type of incident, we take actions. But we don't stop there. We go on and conduct our in-service training and things like that so that our members, in the end, can realize the importance of professionalism and the respect of, uh, uh, of the human rights. Let me, uh, and this is a final question because I've got to let you go. You say you take action. Again, I, was, I made reference to some statistics a little earlier on. In the 20 2011-2012 financial year, 720 deaths allegedly at the hands of the police were investigated. IPID recommended 162 prosecutions and called for disciplinary action against 168 cops. But only five officers were dismissed and 13 were convicted of crimes during that period. And again, you say you take action, but look at this. There is absolutely no action. Five police officers only were dismissed as a result of this. Are you certain that action is being taken? You say brutality, police brutality will never ever be condoned in any way. What we normally do is that after getting recommendations from IPIT, we make uh, our own investigations and then we depend on the evidence that comes now to the table to say, and the evidence that comes to the table will direct us to as to what way, to, which step to take and what direction to follow. But, but the point, that's Brigadier, where we are depending. The point I'm making, Brigadier, on the, on, 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 the, on the evidence that we get. The point I'm making, though, Brigadier, so is that we really unless... we just punish people without evidence. Well, if we have evidence, definitely appropriate steps will be taken against such members. Okay, but evidence, for evidence, of course, you depend on other members, and it is possible it happened even in, at Daverton, where people cover up for other people. Do you have any other means of getting this evidence? I'm saying for, for that evidence that you're talking about, you rely on members as well. So you've got to create a culture of where members blow the whistle on wrongdoing and not cover up for other members. And in Daverton, it almost happened where there were suggestions that other members were covering up for others. You see, the evidence that I'm talking about is not evidence that is only coming from our members. Also, members who, from the public, who witness this type of actions, really they must come forward and give us that evidence so that appropriate steps can be taken against those members. And we strongly urge our community and we thank the community of Davidson for exposing this type of activities because we really cannot go on uh, okay. having our members conducting themselves in that way. All right, I've got to let you go. I thank you for your time this morning, Brigadier Putisetati. Let me, let me just get a quick one uh, from Moses. Zamini, who also unfortunately won't be here with Thanks us throughout the program. Mr. Zamini, the issue is accountability mechanisms. That's exactly what you were created for, Mr. Zamini, right? That's what IPD is supposed to do. Can you repeat the question? I'm I, saying IPID is created as an accountability mechanism. It's a, it's a way through which uh, the wrongdoings within the subs are supposed to be unearthed, dealt with once and for all. But are you succeeding? Uh, I, I think we we are, but it depends on what measure you use, uh, Polanyi. The, 
See, in terms of uh, police accountability, the police themselves have a bigger role to ensure that there are systems in place, policies and procedures to ensure that the members of the SAPS uh, behave in a manner that uh, takes account of the Constitution and uh, the human rights of uh, citizens. Um, the IPD is there to investigate. The, the IPD specifically says our role is to investigate, and uh, this we do. That is why you refer to these cases like the Tatane case, the case of these policemen who are appearing in court today. Uh, we've got other uh, cases in, in the Western Cape where 12 police officers are appearing for for torture and, and, and murder, murdering a, a suspect. And uh, we've got another, other cases in KZN where 15 policemen are appearing for murder. Um, now, in the last few weeks, we, we've uh, seen convictions and uh, many, many arrests that we have uh, effected as, as the IPIT. But the IPIT cannot do this on its own. It cannot be shifted to the IPIT. The police need to do much more to ensure that members sure. uh, are sufficiently trained, that members... Uh, have the necessary discipline. All right. Uh, yes, so that if if I choose, as in this case, they they were swift to to suspend. I think we commend them for that. But that is not the case in all in, in all instances where police uh, uh, commit offences, serious okay. offences even. Um, so, in other words, you're so saying that the police machinery can be slow to react to some of the allegations that that are being made. Yes. So right. the whole system it has to work together to, to ensure that uh, action is, is swift. Uh, but, but, you know, correct also, following uh, the necessary legal prescripts to, so that people are not uh, unfairly uh, targeted or uh, prosecuted. Sure. Mr. Zamini, let, let me get your comment on, on uh, the comment by the Amnesty International, where they say they are observing a consistent pattern of police brutality in South Africa. As people who investigate these things, do you think that there is a consistent pattern? Is it going up? Is it stabilizing? What are your observations? Well, if we look at all the incidents that have happened over the past 12 months, let me say, it would seem like uh, there is a, a pattern. But in, in South Africa, the, the, the good thing is that these matters get investigated and people are, uh, get taken uh, to court. They are arrested, uh, as we have seen, we arrested the Kato Mena, uh, the policeman there. For, yeah, but, but Mr. Lamin, with due respect, it's one thing to arrest, it's one thing to arrest, uh, but it's quite another to convict. Uh, and that's where the issue is, is that some are arrested but they never really are convicted uh, I mentioned the figures of the 2011-2012 financial year 720 deaths allegedly at the hands of the police how many people paid the price for that yeah we've, we've got uh, over 500 cases on the court rolls you must understand that the legal processes take, take long uh, so those cases that are finalized uh, for instance this year they would have been through the courts for uh, at least nine months to to a year, year and a half, even even three years, even longer than that. 
some of those uh, cases. In some instances, we 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 see the court dealing with those matters very quickly, such as in the case of the case of Kato Mokoka, uh, the Soweto uh, teenager yeah. who was shot by a policeman. Yeah. All right. That case was finalized within nine months from investigation to uh, him being found uh, uh, guilty and, and sentenced to, right. to 17 years. Mr. Damini, just stand by However, for me. other cases take longer than that. All right. Stand by for me. Let me bring in Lizette Lancaster. You've been listening in, uh, Lizette. Uh, again, one of the issues that's come through is the issue of accountability mechanism. Just broadly, your sense on, on, on of what is going on then. Um, people are alleging police brutality. Do you, do you concur? Yes, I do, and I think we've seen increases in police brutality for the past uh, over the past decade. Um, and the reasons for it is quite com- uh, the reasons for these are quite complex. And I think one has to understand that we've seen a police service that has grown by more than 50% in the past decade. So, although training might be two years, they, you have a lot more cadets entering police stations that do not get the proper mentoring and training that gets introduced to a culture that might be conducive to to them almost forgetting what they've been um, taught. Um, we know that traditionally there has been problems with brutality in the police for under apartheid, and it's, you know, something that has been a challenge ever since. What we also have is me- we have messages from... Um, you know, management, police leadership and so forth that are saying um, on occasion through the media that it's okay to to use force. We've heard messages like this during Marikana. We've heard messages um, consistently from the previous police commissioner, um, General Becky Pele. Mm. And, and so what we are having is a sort of contradictions. You can have a code of conduct, but it might not be what happens, you know, in practice. So you have a culture, you've got messages that are confusing, and of course you have um, police members that believe that they are being attacked. You know, we've had 93 deaths last year. So um, all of this creates a lot of tension and creates a culture within certain um, areas of the police that that might be conducive to using um, brutality. Linked to that... Sorry, I've lost one, one, one uh, line here. Yeah, continue, please. Sorry, linked to that would also be the fact that, you know, these messages tell us that violence is okay. And then also we don't see a lot of convictions. So the message is there that one can get away with it. Right. You know what, let me just take one quick call. I'll take the news headlines and I'll come back and, and discuss more of these issues because I think there are very interesting points there that you've just raised here, uh, Lizette, increasing the numbers of the police force. But having said that, and I think it must be said that the majority of the police protect us. They protect us day in and day out. Uh, let's hear from Lisonolo in Leondale. Hello, Lisonolo. Uh, my, my, my submission is one. Um, ever since Peggy Kale previously took over, we have seen the militarization of the police. I mean, the fact that you have major generals, lieutenant generals, and all, in those, these combat titles, they actually get escalated to the streets. We say it. I mean, I live in Leondale. As soon as those guys leave uh, the Alberton police station to, ro- to raid Rodeo Corp, Leondale, and Pomola, 
you can see when they come that these guys are ready for war. They are ready to combat. They are not even proactive to come and say, what's happening in these areas? They only leave when they know that we're going to raid and chance are going to drunk people on the street and we have to fight. So it is that mindset that they have from Pegikele that now we actually say, you know, you want to make sure of individuals. It's actually there. It was encouraged by Pegikele and his comrades and now we can see life happening. Mm. Thank you. Luda in Midrand, very quickly, good morning. Luda? My, my, yeah, hi, my, go ahead, please. Yeah, my comment is that after I listen to get there, I'm more scared than I was before I listened to him in terms of whether I'm protected or not. Because to me, it's very clear that he has got no plan on how to address this thing. This thing is not about what do you do after people have died. It's about what do you do to make sure that people are not killed by the police. You get stories that a, a woman goes to the police to report rape and they rape them. Mm. You get an issue about people being killed. I mean, 700, 700 people dying in the police custody is scary. And for the, for the police uh, brigadier to be telling us about training and all that and all over the place, it really shocks me. And, and I think the police brigadier, what he must do, he must make himself a favor, listen to the experts that are there with you now, Colin, and see if he can find a solution from those people. Because currently he doesn't give me any hope that I'm safe. So I must first die, then he get arrested. And you think that is successful. It's not about the success of the people, the police that are arrested after died. Okay. It's about making sure that I'm protected, not being killed. All right, Luther, thank you. I'll take more thoughts uh, on 0891 104208, 0891 104208, uh, and also emails at guala at The Forum at 8 with Kolani Guala. Well, opposition parties demanding that President Jacob Zuma set up a judicial commission of inquiry into police brutality following the killing of a Davidson taxi driver by police last week. And we would like to hear your thoughts then on this issue. How do we uh, solve this particular problem? 891 104208 891 104208 uh, I'll also be taking your emails at guala at sabc.co.za and SMSs at 34701. Just talking about SMSs 102. Uh, somebody says, I condemn the police brutality, but also I condemn law practiced by taxi drivers. Well, somebody also says, did Ms. Piecha go for the two-year training herself? Um, somebody in Philemon in Purugwana says, we seem to blame police, but we seem to be soft on citizens who disregard the law. Um, also, somebody says, it is sad what is happening in this country, but to blame only the police, I don't think is right. What happens in Parliament when politicians lie every day? This is a sick country. That's Mzugisi Ekaelicha. Uh, also, there's an SMS that says, let me play devil's advocate here and ask if it's not time for a highly efficient, experienced white commissioner to be appointed. Radical change. That's Susan in Pretoria. Mapanegazi uh, Mtata says... Um, uh, it's law of the jungle out there. Police officers are not sure of their survival on a daily basis. The balancing act is the number of police uh, killed uh, on duty against police brutality deaths. Would a headline, uh, a Mozambican taxi driver shoots dead four police after having committed a traffic transgression, uh, gets the ire of the nation this way? An interesting one. Um, also, um, they are, oh, all right, let me, let me go to the lines. I'm going to come back to these SMSs. Some of them are not very clear. Uh, but let me hear from Mike in Newlands. Mike, hello. Hi. Thanks so much for taking my call. Just yeah, a couple of quick points. You know, first of all, that gentleman who SMSed you about has the APH done her two-year training. Well, of course, the answer to that is no. The answer is, is simple. And, and our problem is uh, it, that we don't have an experienced 
police officer running the police. We all understand how the, the, the political minister is a political appointee, but he has to defer to an experienced police chief. And in this case, we have a political appointee, not somebody who is trained nor has the respect or understands discipline. And until such time as we've got somebody who's driving the SAP bus, who actually knows how to drive the bus, we are going to continue to crash. And we've, you know, it's not like we have to learn this lesson all over again. Jackie Salebi, uh, Becky Chelly, I mean, you know, he's, you know, they both failed dismally. And now we have Ria Piafe. She hasn't even been in the job for a year and she's failed. And, you know, on the show, I said to him, Madam, that you would fail because you do not have the experience that we need. And in conclusion, you know, the, the, the brigadier was on your show. Well, I'm shocked. You know, he's talking about training. Can, can I tell him that Colonel Vish Naidu admitted on, on an opposition radio station just the other day that he knows of six people that have been promoted overnight from colonel, uh, from a constable to brigadier or brigadier colonel. Now, what sort of training are we dealing with uh, when we have people who overnight are, tra- are, are, are promoted from, from a constable to a colonel? It, hmm. it's, it's crazy. And, you know, until we get somebody driving the bus, I don't care if he's white or black. I'm not, nobody's fussed about that. What this country wants, Avoyo, and desperately, is we don't want a political appointee that's really their design for no other reason to keep Zuma and his, and, uh, his, uh, his fellow cabinet ministers out of jail. All right, Mike and Yulis, thank, thank you. you. Uh, Godfrey is in Johannesburg. Hello, Godfrey. Godfrey? Hello? Hi, welcome. Yeah. Hello? Yes, is it Godfrey? No, it's Dennis Bloom. Uh, yeah, hi, Mr. Bloom. How are you, Colonel? I'm fine. Your thoughts for me, please. Very good. You are asking the question, uh, what is the problem in yeah. the police? Yeah. Let me tell you what is the problem. Mm-hmm. The problem is the constitution of the country is saying there will be a police service, not a force. Now, the, the police service is being turned into a military force. You see, you spoke to a general now mm. on your program. Mm-hmm. There is no such a rank in the police. But Beggy Taylor have turned that force, uh, this service into a force. That is the problem. You see, when you are busy uh, 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 with military issues, this type of things are happening. The second problem is training. There must be retraining of the police. You can't have a situation where you are having people going into the streets. Uh, They are saying it's two years, but I can tell you it is six months after six months go into into the field. Those people must kill people like they are right. doing now. All right, Mr. Plum, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, verify the facts here because as far as I understand, there's a new uh, what curriculum, if you will, that is about two years now. It's no longer six months. Yeah, since when? I think the day the commissioner had a press conference, in fact, was the day when uh, the first cohort of those who had graduated after two years was graduating. But we can verify those facts. Yeah, please verify that, uh, those, those, those facts. All right. uh, uh, okay, hopefully somebody yeah. from the SAPS will call in and, and just verify that. Mr. Bloom, I thank you for your call, though. Uh, let's hear from Joseph in Bloemfontein. Hello, Joseph. Hi, Colani and your guest. Yeah, hi, go ahead. Colin, I really don't think it's necessary for us to establish a commission of inquiry in this regard because we've got an independent police directorate which should take this uh, uh, matter and also the National Prosecuting Authority 
should be investigated because this is a purely criminal matter and evidence is there. So why should we waste the taxpayers' money in creating a commission of inquiry? All right, Joseph, but what about, what about those who are saying this, this problem is systemic, therefore you need a commission that will look at the overall. It's not an isolated matter. As you heard from, from my Amnesty International guest here who says the issue is that there's a consistent pattern of police brutality in this country. Yeah, in that case, then you have to, to, to get the experts, you know, who will then make a research, not a commission of inquiry. They've got to make a research and make a comparative study with other countries and find out exactly what the problem is. You don't need a commission of inquiry. You need a group of expert people who knows what is happening in safety and security of the country, and then they will come up with resolutions or maybe recommendations. Okay. All right. And the last point. Mm-hmm. The last point is this one. Uh, two, uh, I mean, 15 or, or 10 years ago, there was this gentleman who was the CEO at SAB who was appointed as a, as, as a, a commissioner or something. Do you remember Khan, the name Khan. of that I think his last name was Kando. Yeah, Khan. Mm. And then during that time, he did not have any experience whatsoever. And people did not make a lot of noise. So I don't know why now all of a sudden they are making a lot of noise. Because at the end of the day, for you to be an effective police commissioner, you really don't need experience because you are surrounded by people who have been there. All what you need to do is to manage those people to mm. do what is expected But are you suggesting that Khan succeeded? Are you, are you suggesting that uh, without experience he succeeded? No, I, I can say he did. His, he, there, there is no one who has ever succeeded anyway. But he did what he yeah, was What we need to is somebody who will succeed. What we need is somebody who will succeed. Anyway, I, I thank you very much, Joseph. Thanks indeed. Let me read one or two SMSs. Somebody says, uh, in fact, this is Muzinzov. Muzinzov says, uh, we live yes. in a two active. Moses, I'm, I'm going to come to you. Moses is, dri- is driving somewhere. Okay. Moses, we're going to come to you in a minute. Uh, Muzinzov says, we live in a too active, rights conscious, yet responsibility bankrupt society. It is difficult to enforce order within such a society without using some force. We need to be responsible in the exercising of our rights and cooperate with law enforcement agencies and assert our rights in proper forums. The society is brutal in itself by a number of people raped, uh, robbed and killed, including its killing of people who are meant to protect it. It is not just the police that need to be investigated, but our conduct uh, towards law. That's Muzi, on SMS. Let, let me bring in my guests then. Uh, Lizette Lancaster, perhaps your response to what you've heard, including what Muzi is saying here. Yes, I think we need to realize that respect is earned. Um, but the less respectful the police are towards suspects and citizens, the less people are willing to comply with the law. This is what international research shows. Um, so we need to be really careful um, how we approach this. And I think the police indeed need to learn and be a bit less defensive than they are at the moment. They actually have solutions. The solution lies, and, 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 and I mean a huge outline of the strategy that they should follow, rests within the National Development Plan. It explains how one should, they should um, appoint a national policing board that looks at setting out standards for recruiting, selection and appointment and the promotions within the police. Hmm. It also talks about getting competency assessments for all officers and that um, these need to be implemented. They're also talking about getting more social workers into, into the force, or the service, sorry. Um, and I know that every South African would really like to have a fully operational police service. So we all 
you know, root for the police, but for them to change, and they need to realize it's systemic, that they really need to listen to the suggestions of this, uh, the experts as well as citizens in this country, and that they need to earn our trust. Would you would you support would you support a judicial commission? National development plan and all the suggestions in that. So, so as a result, then Lizette, you wouldn't necessarily support a judicial commission of inquiry. You just say to them, listen, go to the NDP. I think a judicial um, inquiry would be useful in order to facilitate the process where we could, as South Africans, um, testify and 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 give our. Um, you know, our solutions and put it forward. I think it would also prove to the citizenry that we are open to, you know, uh, sorry, that the police are open to our ideas. Okay. So right now, it doesn't seem that they're open to any other suggestions. All right, let me get a quick comment from Mr. Zamin. Mr. Zamin, I know you're driving and you need to get to some place. Just your, your comment on what you're hearing from people. Uh, let me say. Our view as, as the ITIC is that perhaps uh, the police need to uh, implement, uh, do much more to implement the policies that are there, uh, that are in place already. Hmm. And uh, they need to realize also that they have a bigger role to play in terms of ensuring that their members uh, behave in the manner that uh, South Africans expect, that the Constitution uh, prescribes, and that the, the IP is there to, to assist in terms of uh, investigations of these matters. Okay. However, uh, the big, big responsibility lies with the police. police. All right, Moses, I'm going to let you go. Thanks indeed for your time this morning. I'm going to take a break, but when I come back, of course, I'm going to hear from Noel Kututu here with me in the studio. But there's Ivo in Durban as well, Victor Imalaseni, Jerome in Durban, Figuil in Cape Town. Please hold for me. The Forum at 8 with Olani Guala. Mr. Kutut, I'm going to come to you in a minute. Just please allow me to take more of my calls, uh, callers that, be, that have been on the line for quite a while. Figulin, Cape Town, I apologize. Uh, good morning. Figulin, are you there? All right, I've lost Hello. Figuile. Yeah, Figulin, good morning. Yes, good morning, sir. How are you? Tolani? I'm very well. Very pleased for me. Yes, thank you guys for taking my call. My wish is just for you guys to give me at least just one and a half minutes. I've got a very big problem, Tolani. Tolani, training the criminals will not work. You can train the, ex- the ex-con. The problem is, starting with, with the Ministry of Police, when you expose the police, you, you are actually being victimized by the ministry itself. So like myself, so I have written letters to the president regarding a meeting or regarding the police killings and abusive police in a blue uniform. So what happens is that Tolani, the, 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 the president has responded in my letter that was back early 2011. I wrote to Mr. Pekitele, there was no response, three letters. And, uh, uh, what were you writing about? The protector. Uh, I went to Human Rights Commission, now commanded by the minister himself. So, Colonel, what is actually happening? The problem is within the police patrol ministry itself. So, Colonel, again, I'll say, again, you cannot train the criminal because we've got about 80% of criminals in blue uniform. I'm a victim myself, Colani. So now I've been victimized by the ministry. So I need somebody's help that can actually help me in this matter. So, what is happening, Colani? Thank you. All right, you know what? Uh, Figure out, you're still there. 
we're going to put you back to Jake. We're going to put you back to Jake, and, and Jake is going to take your contact details. If there's someone out there who, who can help, I know, I'm not sure how. And, uh, and maybe what we'll also do is try and see if we can refer your matter to IPID, and IPID may assist you with Moses Lamine. If you get in Cape Town, thank you. Jerome is in Durban. Good morning, Jerome. Hi, Kawhi. Hi, welcome. Uh, just a comment. Um, yeah. You know, it's very ironic that, uh, you know, in school they, they ban corporal punishment, but as soon as they finish school, I mean, they, they, they use excessive force. Hmm. I think the discipline needs to start at school. I think they're missing the point here. All right. So, so the prospective police officers must be trained from school? No, no, no. I'm saying is that, I mean, it's like an ordinary citizen. In school, corporate government bans corporal punishment. But as soon as you finish school, they can shoot you, they can uh, use excessive force. Okay. All right, Jerome. I, Jerome, I thank you very much. Uh, Victor Malasene, good morning. Uh, morning, Tolani. Thanks Hi. for taking me. You're most welcome. Uh, I think South Africa, we've got big, big problem. Mm-hmm. You cannot train the criminal, Tolani. These uh, police officers that are brutalizing their own citizens, their own brothers, how do you train someone who's committing crime? Colin, uh, we've got another force that they call the Beret. They are brutalizing the people at the tavern. Uh, just come there and search the people, and you see the people have been beaten up. This is a war. It's the government against its own people. But, Victor, Victor, let me ask you this question. And, and sometimes, you know, we're critical of uh, the conduct here, but do we not uh, also lose sight of the fact that they are operating within a very volatile society? Violence is yeah. in our society, and that is why sometimes police will respond uh, with, with a bit of a heavy hand. Exactly, Tolani. But you know what, Tolani? They are operating in a hostile environment, I understand that. But the criminals, they, they must be arrested and put in jail. And if they commit the crime against the police, the police must defend themselves. In this case of the tech driver at Davidson, the guy was not having a gun, even if they say claiming that he was fighting the police. The video there, it shows, it shows that that guy was not fighting. And right. eight police people, they cannot be beaten by one man, Polani. They should have handcuffed that man and put him in the back of the park, send him to the police station. Okay. Victor Malasani, thank you for your point. Ivo in Durban. Hello, Ivo. Uh, good morning, Tulani. Hi, welcome. No, thank you. Listen, what I want to say to me, petty crime doesn't, hasn't been looked into first. What happens that you know, taxi drivers and all these guys... They, they break, they break the, the temporary, like, you know, law, in, you know, uh, small, small, small law, like, you know, they're parking across the road, the stop streets and everything, and the police don't do anything to it. And then these guys feel they get away with it and get away with it. And then eventually, when they try and get law back into order, they have to try and fo- uh, use this type of force. So I say petty crime should be, be sorted out from the beginning. That's the only way we're going to get control back into the law, is like, like you, you, you put a complaint like people are urinating in the street on corners or drinking, they don't see into it, and when it runs out of out of order, then they want to use brutal force. Okay, Ivo in Durban, thank you. Let me read emails. Yeah, there's one from Mark and um, uh, Mark Andrew who says we don't trust the police. We teach our children not to approach the police when you need help. 
stay away. They are generally corrupt. They are not capable of doing the basics of their job. If you have ever had to give a statement at a police station, you will know that uh, most of them can't even write or spell. Uh, perhaps this frustration is what manifests itself in the brutality they display. That's Mark in Zanin on email. John Baxter has also written to us this morning. He says, as expected, current poli- uh, police brutality is being blamed by some on the culture of brutality that has continued from the apartheid era. But is this not rather part of African culture? There is police brutality in just about every African culture, an African country, and it is time to stop blaming everything on apartheid. John Baxter, thank you. Uh, you know, let me bring you on that point, uh, uh, Noel Kututu, whether easy is he right that there is police brutality in just about every African country? Do you think so? Absolutely. There, there is a lot of um, brutality in most of the police services across the African continent, and most of it stems from the fact that there is very little professionalism and one of the emails which you've just read there, Kolani, which talks to the, the issue of trust and the issue of respect is key in that most uh, citizens do not trust the police. And the reason why they don't trust the police is because the police are not professional. And what one would want to see is an increase in professionalism. And once there's an increase in professionalism, then there's trust. Fighting crime goes beyond just the police, but the communities need to be involved as well. And this will encourage people to come out, to go to the police, to give intelligence that will help the police, not only to fight crime, but also to put in place crime prevention measures and to ensure that everyone in community works together. In that way, the levels of violence will go down as well as the issues of brutality will go down because you know the community is fully involved everybody trusts the police and the police are viewed as friends and they're viewed as you know people who are on the side of the communities mm. and and again just to wrap up with you Lizette as well it's a worst case scenario when you start telling your children not to talk to the police when they approach them not to cooperate when you can't even go to the police station to get your statement perhaps it's not that bad is it that bad or is it an exaggeration I think we are seeing surveys that say that more than half of the country do not trust the police. And that is unacceptable. And I think we as citizens and the police need to work together to, to curb this. We, we have no choice but to, to fight this. Um, and we can fight it already. We, we hope that they implement the National Development Plan properly, that they are you know, transparent appointments within the police and, and proper promotions. But while we are working on that, as citizens, I think we need to realize that there are still many good police members. And these people need to be encouraged and supported because it must be incredibly difficult for them to work under these circumstances. Mm. Um, we actually have a campaign called Reward a Cop, Report a Cop, where we are saying that you can't just look at the negative in isolation. We need to support these people. Um, and there are actually materials on our Crime Hub, crimehub.co.za, that, that is available to communities in order to, to know how to report good policing too. Mm. Um, so while we are waiting and putting pressure on government to, to do an overall of the police service, I think we need to remain positive and try our best to encourage good police members out there. Especially because, and we, we, we report on these numbers on a, on a daily basis, the number of police officers that are killed on duty, is that? Yes, and it's unfortunate. And unfortunately, without proper support, the message to these members are you need to arm yourself, you need to protect yourself. You know, and that does not necessarily, it's an evil cycle that appears.